Three, two, one, go. Welcome to the latest edition of I Hate Critics Movie Review Podcast. I am professional film critic Sean Patrick. With me is Jeff. What's up? Jeff, where do they find your stuff? JeffLasseter.com is my website. Um, Etsy, my Etsy is uh, ArtGuyNYC, even though I don't live there anymore. Um, Prints, yeah, so stickers, full-on uh, full, full on, what, paintings? I've got paintings. Uh, yeah, you buy my paintings, especially because I have to pay for my Madonna trip. Um, also, stickers, prints. I've got some uh, kid robot figures that I've customized over the years. You name it. Nice. All right. And uh, you can find out more again uh, on Jeff's website to uh, take advantage of those incredible deals. Uh, me, I'm at uh, geeks.media, horror.media, shotthemovies.blogspot.com for a whole bunch of, of stuff. We're talking about uh, the Oscars this week again, as uh, we were... T- Covering some of the Oscar movies that uh, I know you hadn't seen that I saw kind of at the end of last year. And uh, we're going to get to a couple of those. But first, I do want to cover a couple of movies that I watched, Jeff. uh, And I'm not sure if you even heard about. (laughs) You ever have you heard about a movie called Miller's Girl? No, I have not. So Miller's Girl is directed by Jade Haley Bartlett, and it uh, stars jenna ortega and martin freeman in the story of a professor and a student at a high school uh martin freeman obviously is the teacher jenna ortega is this very uh, prominent student who uh he becomes sort of obsessed with uh she demonstrates a, a terrific writing talent specifically when she's able to ape the work of henry miller now if you're uh, familiar with the reputation of Henry Miller, then you know why this is deeply, deeply problematic for a teenage girl <laughs> to be writing about. Uh, Henry Miller was super, super horny all the time. And uh, <laughs> when she's assigned to write in the style of her favorite author, she decides to write a story about a teacher and a student having an affair in the style of Henry Miller, uh, which, of course, is going to get this man fired from his job. That's just what's going to happen. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, Jenna Ortega is a really great actress. Uh, she's very convincing. I didn't uh, flinch for a moment thinking about her as being like a hyper intelligent, hyper literate uh, person. She really sells it. Martin Freeman is a bag of wonder bread. He's just kind of there. He's just sort of, he's a not uh, not unhandsome man who uh, is very easily manipulated by the wiles of a teenage girl and uh, the words of Henry Miller. Uh, so the movie ends up being somewhere, somewhere in the middle of good and bad. You know, not it's certainly not a mm-hmm. bad film, and certainly Jenna Ortega is not bad in it. But I just didn't care. I didn't buy into the the temptation that he's feeling. I didn't buy into the a lot of this is about like her wanting to punish him for not taking advantage of his writing gift because he wrote one, I guess, pretty good book from what we're told, and then stopped writing, and so she's kind of punishing him for not writing any further by holding him hostage over his, over his job, I guess. I mean, it doesn't really hit. It doesn't really land. And really not much about this movie lands in the end. I, now that you describe it, I have seen the trailer for it. I just don't know if I saw it in a theater or if I saw it somewhere. It wasn't in theaters because so. it's already out. It was in limited release over the weekend. And I believe it may already be re- available to rent. Gotcha. Another movie I watched that I know you didn't watch, The Underdogs, Snoop Dogg's movie. Did you? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I got to say, I'm so ashamed of myself. I kind of recommend this movie. 
Uh, it's bad. I mean, it's objectively a bad movie because it's every you know cliched kids sports movie ever. He plays the co- he, he's a guy who's a former NFL player who gets assigned community service following a car accident, so he's got to take over his kids. Kiwi football team. It's the Mighty Ducks. It's it's Bad News Bears. It's all that shit. Just rolled into one. Like they're not even trying here. The only difference is, is that this is a hard R-rated kids movie. <laughs> like nice. hard R. Like everybody in this movie is just uh, f word this, f word that. Uh, one of the kids' nicknames is literally titties. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And it's not the girl player on the team. It is not the girl it's player the on the team. Kid, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. It's a kid. Oh. He wants him to ha- he wants him to be able to catch the football. So he wants him to imagine the football their titties and then he's got to hold on to oh. them so he doesn't fumble them. Don't fumble the titties. Wow, that's great. <laughs> I'm ashamed, but I laughed a lot at this. Does Martha Stewart show up? She does not. She does not. Aww. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, objectively, terrible film. <laughs> Just in, wildly derivative. But Snoop Dogg has this weird appeal where he's just a very, he's a very charismatic guy. And I kind of don't mind him being in something like this. It sort of plays to his limited strengths as an actor to be so derivative and predictable. <laughs> oh, my God. I know it's weird, right? But yeah, uh, it, it's out now. It's on Amazon Prime. It debuted on Amazon Prime on Friday. They didn't bother with theaters or anything like that. It's just directly to Amazon Prime, and and that's it. <laughs> Do you have well, any, good for him. Any remote interest in seeing that? Um, I don't know. I'm having. I'm. Ha- I'm trying to figure out where he's. Uh, he's at this week, so I'm not sure. If I'm going to watch a Snoop Dogg movie or not, we'll see. Mm. Um, I didn't get some news today, though. Oh. Have you seen the, any of the uh, uh, guerrilla marketing for a movie called Long Legs? I saw the posters. Uh, this is with Nicolas Cage and uh, Micah Monroe, uh, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's been like a kind of a secret. And then it just they released the, the poster. It and like released what it was about. <laughs> yeah, it's a horror movie. Star- it's directed by Oz Perkins, Anthony Perkins' son. Also from one of your favorite movies, Legally Blonde. Nice. Um, and yeah, it stars Micah Monroe and Nick Cage. So really looking forward to that now. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really interesting. So, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, Nicolas Cage uh, in a in a horror film. The last time we saw that was with Mandy. Which is uh, one of yeah. one of the one of the greats, one of the modern greats, I say, uh, Mandy. So yeah, him, him, and him in that uh, perspective, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really. I saw the poster and I was like, wow, that sounds actually pretty good. And so, want to keep that on everybody's radar. So hopefully, hopefully, it hits theaters. I'd like to see it in a theater. Yeah, it, it's questionable these days. I mean, there's a movie Nick. We've watched a bunch of Nicolas Cage movies, and you know, we had uh, one of them reach theaters. Uh, Dream scenario reached theaters, but then there was two other Nicolas Cage movies that came out last year that just went directly to streaming and just di- completely under the radar. So, well, who knows what'll happen with this one? Yeah. All right. So, what did you watch this week, Jeff? I watched uh, Rustin and Nyad. 
Good. Yes. Uh, let's start uh-huh. with uh, Nyad. Let's, yeah, let's, okay. <laughs> of the two uh-huh. um, movies about gay Americans doing uh, what they do best, I thought Nyad was the better overall film. Uh-huh. Really? Um, okay. I did. Well, just because it, Rustin to me seemed more of a, a traditional biopic. Whereas the whereas Nyad, it seemed more like we're taking a slice of this woman's life. And we are the the thing that drives her the most is this one singular um relationship in a way. The relationship is not with her and Jodie Foster or anybody else on the boat. The relationship is her and her determination and the water. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting way to take it. Whereas Rustin seemed more like a traditional biopic uh, where it was, you know, here's a, here's a bunch of stuff that happened. And then here's the thing that he's got to overcome. And I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Coleman Domingo was amazing in it. And he just, he really was Bayard Rustin. I just, I thought, way it was handled was a little more traditional to me. Hmm. So that's why I preferred Nyad. I find Nyad to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I found it to be a little beige overall, just kind of, uh, n- I'm not particularly interested in, in, uh, gumming up the works in terms of, uh, in terms of being not controversial, I guess, but it, it's just very, it, it has a sort of a traditional bent in my estimation and that's kind of whereas i thought uh, coleman domingo's performance was so incredible that it didn't matter if that uh, had a conventionality to it to me uh but nyad had a sort of had that sort of beige quality where sometimes the movie is just sort of there uh especially if they it, just there's certain sequences in the movie that just don't really do anything do anything we're just kind of okay just can we get uh let's get onto the let's get back in the water okay cool uh, <laughs> and that to me kind of held it back. I think Annette Benning and Jodie Foster are great, but I certainly don't think either one is really like Oscar level great. I, I, if I had to pick between the two, um, I liked Jodie Foster's performance better. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, it, I guess it was kind of a feeling that, to me more th- more so than like she wasn't acting she was <laughs> you know she was embodying it a little more mm-hmm. she's um, always been much more where, of a natural naturalistic performer than even most yeah. other actresses honestly yeah the, the only time i ever remember her like really acting acting was to me was the accused where she did i think the most acting of her career Oh, because he had the big, the kind of the big broad accent and the big, the booziness of it. Yeah, yeah, just just the broadness of it, and you know how I felt like she was really going for something there. Whereas, like in the Silence of the Lambs, her other uh, Oscar win, she was much more subtle and embodied it. She embodied Clary Starling a little more, and I think that's what she does here, mm-hmm. where she's she's really easygoing and. She's the voice of reason 
when you know Diana Nyad is really obsessed, she's the one who's like, "Okay, we're gonna do it, but I need you to calm the fuck down." <laughs> yeah, let me risk everyone's you know? <laughs> life to do this thing that doesn't really need to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I just I really liked her performance in that. I think even better than Annette Benning, who was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Coleman Domingo as Bayard Rustin is he kind of rises above because he just he is he embodies that character so well that character that person so well um, and you really get the you get the sense that he's on the outside looking in while also on the inside looking it you know what I mean sure uh okay. <laughs> Um, I'm just looking at the time. We've already gotten through all of our movies in about 15 minutes, so I guess the show's over. But (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, there's like you know, there's lots of other um, you know other things that we can talk about with those movies. With with Nyad, um, I just felt that it was it. I I liked Annette Bening. I don't know if. If it our our conversation last week, you know, who would you take out mm-hmm. to put Margot Robbie in? It would probably be Annette Benny. I think she did a great job. I just, you know, the only performance in that movie that really struck me was Jodie Foster. Yeah, I, um, I find Benning, I find Annette Benning's performances and just about anything to be kind of overly mannered and or- overly performative. You can sense yeah. the acting, which I think it, it makes her popular among, you know, the kind of the acting branch voters of the Academy who like to see you show the work, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I think, which I admittedly, I think Coleman Domingo has that appeal as well. But I think that's a much I think that character deserves that kind of uh, highly performative thing, because that's kind of who Bayard Rustin was. He was a he was a performer. He was a guy who, who uh, you know, every every emotion was was a big swing for him. And so it made I think Coleman Domingo's makes sense in that sense. Whereas Annette Benning in just about any movie, it just comes off as you can see her almost doing calculus in her head. <laughs> like, What's the next line? Uh, how yeah. am I reacting to the next thing? You can kind of see it happening. When she hits, she really, really hits. Mm-hmm. Like the kids are all right. Yeah. I mean, I think that was her best performance that I've ever seen her in. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's always that little undercurrent of seeing her make the choice in her head at the time. Yeah. So, you know, whereas Jodie Foster is like, it's like she knew the character when she read the script. And she didn't have to make the choices because she already was the character. She embodies I, her, her, her characters in, in just about any role that she plays. And it yeah. is just the, the naturalism of her performances, the relaxation, the way she relaxes into a character is fascinating to watch because the, she's, she's capable of getting to somebody's soul in that way without having to Aside from maybe Nell, <laughs> we should throw in Nell as a, there's a performance that's way over the fucking top that she shouldn't have done. But uh, this this though is right right in her right up her alley. Just the kind of uh, natural uh, character that that fits what she does. Yeah, yeah. Um, she brings a real person to a real person. 
Mm. Whereas Annette Benning brings Annette Benning to a real person. <laughs> Which works so saying nice. something like, I think she's the not, and this is not hindsight at all. I think she was the best thing about American beauty because I think she better than anyone understood the tone of that film and understood oh, the absolutely. tone of that character. Yeah, yeah. I think she got it more than anybody else did. Uh, she's playing it big and broad and, and the comic moments that she plays in American beauty are exceptional. I will sell this house today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She is looking back. She is the best part of that movie. You know, I think when that came out, everybody was kind of like, Oh, Kevin Spacey's such a good actor. And Ugh. you know, he really, mm-hmm. and now it's just like, no, he's a smarmy piece of shit. And <laughs> it's he's the same in every performance. Can, yeah. You can, I, I, I fully believe you can separate the art and the artist. Mm-hmm. most of the time. But when you realize, when you hear his public statements about his, you know, quote unquote, alleged rape of Anthony Rapp, etc., He just, he's, Oh, he's not playing a character when he's playing Lester. He's not playing a character when he's playing the president. He is that smarmy asshole. Mm-hmm. Whereas Annette Benning, Yes, she's Annette Benning, And yes, she does, you know, make the choices in the moment on her face. Sometimes it, when she's on, she's on. Yeah. But the and right, it, it takes beauty, the, yeah. she was on. It takes the right, it takes the right role for her as opposed to, yeah. I think, I think Jodie Foster could play anything. I think Annette Bening needs the right role. Like film stars don't die in Liverpool, uh, which she was nominated for. I believe uh, she, she was, she was playing an actress in that movie. So being, performative and broad made sense in the guise of playing an actress. Yeah. Put her in the right role. Yeah. She She's phenomenal. This role is good because I guess Diana Nyad kind of is this big personality. She's driven. She's a motivational mm-hmm. speaker. That type of energy does make sense. I just found the film to be lacking in other aspects uh, that I didn't find the story particularly dramatic. There's no real need for Diana Nyad to do any of this. I know she's trying to prove something to herself, but she's you know yeah. also risking the lives of other people to do this thing that doesn't need to be done. Uh, it reminds me of people who climb Mount Everest. Great. Didn't <laughs> need to fair. do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, and she, You get glimpses into her character by, you know, her past just in like snippets of flashbacks rather than, you know, taking starting her as, as a child and then seeing her become who she becomes. Um, I, what I, what I appreciated about that is it's all laid out in the first, you know, a couple minutes that she and Jodie Foster used to be in a relationship. Now they're just best friends. Yes. She needs, uh, she has to do this for herself, but she needs, Jodie Foster because Jodie can push her, you know, it's all, it's all laid out really quickly. And then, and then it's down to the swimming. Mm -hmm. Um, And with Rustin, I thought, you know, it was a little, I, I feel like it would be hard for people who weren't somewhat already invested in his story to be invested in it as, as the way the, the way the movie's written. Mm -hmm. It's a little more straightforward biopic to me. Um, I, I, I gotta say this too. Chris Rock and his line deliveries. 
<laughs> they're just they were terrible <laughs> he was the he was the worst part uh he was the worst part of rustin he was and i like um, chris rock i like chris rock when he's doing comedy or stand-up or not not academy award level dramas like mm. this is because his line deliveries all sound like he's in dogma too Mm. well he's he's always chris rock he doesn't uh, get into yeah. a character he can't do anything other than that chris rock rhythm and that chris rock rhythm is really unwelcome in a movie like this yeah yeah he <laughs> go ahead when when you're playing a person a, a person who is either living or has lived and can be referenced and you're doing why don't you do this instead? You know, I, I it's so jarring and <laughs> took me out every time he did it. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll get back to uh, Rustin in a moment. I did want to mention, did you know that uh, Nyad is a controversial film? Uh Oh, apparently because- uh, this is from the open water which uh, you know is a, is tri- is attributed oh. to, uh, you know it, it's one of the most popular places on the internet for you know open water swimming, which is something that I everyone must have loves. just missed that. Article. <laughs> Apparently, this is a, there's an actual controversy here where they say that Diana Nyad refuses to have her swim across from from Cuba to Florida. She refuses to have it uh, verified. Uh, she won't. Uh, she won't go along with uh, Wausa, which is the group that handles this type of thing in terms of verifying records. She won't verify the record unless they say they actually don't think she actually did it. What? She's refused huh? the offer offers to accept the ratification review of her swim uh, because they apparently believe that she used. May, she may have done things that uh, caused this to not be an actual verifiable event that she's told multiple different stories about her swim uh, in terms of how she did it, in terms of the directions, in terms of just uh, the various modifications that she made in order to make it safely across uh, that this may have cost her an actual record in terms of this being an actual thing that she did. Hmm. (laughs) You got to get into the open, the competitive open swimming, Jeff. It's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, after, you know, let me lay up, lay aside all my other <laughs> uh, interests to get into this controversy. Yeah. The Guinness Book of World Records has confirmed that they no longer recognize Diana Nyad's swim as quote unquote record breaking. Of course, that could just mean that she didn't pay them the $10,000 that you have to pay the Guinness Book of World Records to verify any record that uh, they have, because that's a real thing, Jeff. If you want a world record, you just give them 10000 bucks and tell them that you did it. Wow. Allegedly. I did not know that. Allegedly. <laughs> $10,000, you can tell them. There's, a, there's this great video, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug a, a guy by the name of H. Bomber Guy on YouTube. He did a video about uh, this uh, about a video game sound effect, the oof sound effect, which is popular on Roblox, popular in various different ways. Some guy claimed that he created it, <laughs> and this guy is a real fucking weirdo. 
who has six world records that cannot be verified in any way and, in fact, have been debunked on multiple occasions, but he has the Guinness Book of World Records seal to say that he did it because all he had to do was pay them 10 grand. Wow. <laughs> Fun stuff, right? So, technically speaking, <laughs> technically speaking, Diana and I just might have told Guinness Book of World Records to fuck off when they asked her for money to verify her world record. So, there you go. In fairness, we've, we've covered both sides of it. The Wowza side and her side. So there you go. Well, I'm on her side. We get to, we get to all the big controversies, Jeff. That's what we do on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who knew that the, the world of competitive open water swimming was so controversial. Right. I'm telling you. I know you. that the Toby Ball, who's a, uh, uh, I met him. Um, he's a friend of a friend. He does the the Crime Writers on podcast. He his big thing is uh, he loves podcasts about a feud among subcultures. Yeah. So I feel I feel like that would be right up his alley. Yeah, it, it is one of those like mini controversies in a very small corner of the internet. <laughs> Certainly, the people who, uh, <clears throat> the people who care about this very much care about this for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's totally, completely understandable why oh. they would care about it because you know it's controversy. You know, you, you gotta have you gotta have real information when it comes to this. All right, so we're talking about Rustin now, and uh, we've been talking a little bit about Rustin throughout, but uh, Rustin specifically starring Coleman Domingo as famed uh, civil rights uh, activist uh, Bayard Rustin. Uh, I got to admit a little bit of bias here, Jeff. Uh, Coleman Domingo, I've interviewed him a couple times. Uh, he's an absolute delight, just one of the nicest human beings on the planet. Uh, and, but the main reason I have such an affinity for him is the second time I spoke to him, he remembered who I was, which is unheard of in a celebrity. <laughs> he actually <laughs> name checked a couple things we talked about in a previous conversation. And I'm like, how does this man remember who I am? <laughs> nice. Amazing. What an incredibly nice person. But uh, the story of Baron Rustin is really uh, is very dramatic. He, he is a, a gay man who was in the civil rights movement and a gay black man at that time. Uh, in the movement, it's uh, he, he's facing a lot of hurdles uh, to the point where uh, just who he is, not only as a gay man, but also as a, just a very outspoken man, he gets initially pushed out of the civil rights movement. Uh, people want him gone. Uh, they got to bring him back, though, because he's the, such an amazing organizer. And when they're going to do the you know, Martin Luther King's speech uh, in Washington, D.C., they need Bayard Rustin there to be. Uh, the organizer, the, per the person to bring it all together. And that's really the, st the story that we're telling here uh, on two hands. You've got his private life and his public life, and he's really not somebody who wants to settle for having one or the other. He wants them both, uh, deserves to have them both. Uh, and the struggle that he had to try and have both the halves of his life together is, is the story here. And I thought it was incredibly dramatic. Yeah, I... I like I said, I thought that, you know, it was, it was more of a standard biopic than what I thought um, Nyad was, but I really, you can't discount the, 
the way that he portrays him. Um, now I have a little bit of bias. Coleman Domingo is a friend of a friend. Uh-huh. I have not met him though, but I will make sure that said to tell him you said hi if I ever do. <laughs> um, He'll probably remember. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and I have heard all that that he is like a really, really great guy. Um, <clears throat> he the the difference between him here and in the color purple, where he's also he's just so engaging in that as well, mm-hmm. um, is that when you're playing a real person, you get that benefit of, of seeing footage of that person and, you know, being able to perhaps have a little bit of a historical context about that person. And the way he embodies Rustin is the way Jodie Foster, you know, she just slips on her character in Nyad. She, you know, he just, he slips this on and he's not, uh, he's not doing what a lot of people do in biopics, which is, you know, the the almost kind of pedantic uh, imitation of them. Mm-hmm. He's just he's picking up on a couple of his character ticks and building it around those. And I think that's what I really appreciated about it mm-hmm. was that it wasn't a, you know. I don't know why this just popped into my head, but when Meredith Baxter Birdie played, uh, uh, what's her face from who was uh, killed her husband. And, uh, you know, she's, she's playing a real life person, but she's like acting the fuck out of it, like overacting. And he, I don't know why that popped into my head. Just yeah. Now, Cause no one, Betty no Brock, one other than you knows what you're talking about. Oh no. Every gay man in their forties and fifties knows the Betty broderick story okay um that's who she was playing but she i i recently watched that and she's just she's biting of the scenery so hard that she biting off pieces of the actors as well and he <laughs> he caught that in this movie because you know what was he you know he was a little bit larger than life for his um, and I could, you could very well do that. And he is so subtle in his manners and what's going on behind his eye in any given mission mm-hmm. that you're just like, okay, he could very easily run away with the best actor Oscar. It, it, it's such an emotional performance and he captures you know both the intellectual side and the deeply emotional side of Bear Greston, who is, you know, like all of us are capable of big, broad emotions, but for him, you know, the, with the conflict that he's facing, uh, it, it's it seems it seems somehow that that he's managed to capture the two elements of this man in the same way that he captured you know, the other two sides of his personality, his public life, his private life, the the wildly intellectual man and the deeply emotional man, uh, who are at odds mm-hmm. often throughout uh, throughout this person. Uh, throughout this movie, it's it's really it's lovely, uh, and you know, the, the there's a scene with him speaking to a a small town minister who's come to town to be part of the civil rights movement and who is clearly not sure of who he is. Mm-hmm. That scene, yeah. there's a scene in a bar between the two of them that is just extraordinary. It's an extraordinary piece of acting uh, where you can kind of see Rustin trying to you know 
trying to figure out am i should i move here or not move here like do i do something here because he doesn't know what this guy what's in this guy's head he's this guy other guy is so seemingly naive but at the same time he's also dealing with people trying to you know trick him or trying to catch him out of being a gay black man in washington so you've got this heavy amount of tension and and this emotionality going on all this like energy happening in this one scene it's really remarkable that scene and then so i guess i can i can speak to this a little bit as somebody who was a closeted gay guy in the in the 80s in a small town iowa there's always that fine line that you're trying to figure out if somebody is gay is interested etc without giving yourself away first mm-hmm. and he the way he does that i'm you know i mean that could very well be from personal experience but the way he does that is 100% accurate <laughs> and perfect. Um, but that scene and then the scene where he tells Tom later on that he can't be what he wants him to be, which is, you know, Mr. Rustin mm-hmm. or Mrs. Rustin, mm. but he's family. You know, you're, I can't be what you want me to be, but we can be family. Yeah. That was, you know, that scene really was great i mean it was just like it it spoke to who he was you know he was he was the big tent oh the yes and great description mm-hmm. yeah he wanted everybody to succeed from the garbage picker to the president the president you know mm-hmm. so and and the movie is also unafraid of tr- of you know capturing sort of the uglier you know uh, opportunistic sides of the civil rights movement and uh, uh jeffrey wright's character adam clayton powell is uh he's in he's in here for for uh, a bit of a beating <laughs> he's in here for kind mm-hmm. of a just for being a guy who uh is not necessarily a just a bully toward Rustin, but a guy who sees himself as that as the black guy who got through he sees he's like the pick me uh of black mm-hmm. politicians <laughs> It was like, yes, I got over the yeah. wall, but I'm not throwing the rope back over to get anybody else over. I'm trying to keep my spot. Well, it's like it's like the LGBT or the LGB without the T movement that, you know, the, oh, yeah. the Republicans are trying to gin up. It's I got mine. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that was the sense I got from Powell was, hey, I'm already here. I don't, you know, I don't need you to bring me down. So, whereas Rustin was, you know, it's a big tent. Everybody can, everybody has a place inside of it. So, and again, there's that, uh, there's a wonderful duality throughout the the storytelling here, uh, which I think a lot of that comes uh, uh, from the script. Uh, we've got a great script in this movie from uh, Dustin Lance Black and uh, Julian Brees uh, did an amazing job. I, I don't think George C. Wolf is necessarily a great director. I think he's a he's a serviceable director. He does well enough. Mm-hmm. I think the aspects that you talked about the, of a basic biopic come from his sort of basic direction. Yeah, yeah. But the script, I don't. I think is infallible, and especially you know Dustin Lance Black. This is what he does: is this kind of storytelling. Yeah, I think he he directs it like a lifetime movie. Mm, yeah, but the performances and the writing are what kind of level everything up. Yeah, they're so explosive that 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 even his mediocre direction can't contain it. Yeah. If I could be a little mean here. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not mean. It's just, 
you know, it's just being honest because maybe that's where I, you know, where I, if he had directed Nyad too, I would have been, oh, they're both very, you know, <laughs> the same. <laughs> um, plus, you know, picking Chris Rock just speaks to <laughs> yeah his lack of skills. Because um, <laughs> Roy Wilkins was, a, you know, he was an important character. And I just don't think that Chris Rock necessarily has the range. No, he's, he's just, he's too Chris Rock. I mean, and it's just, it's an inescapable aspect of him is that uh, he plays Chris Rock. And I, I love that though, that, but not in something like this. Um, maybe they should have got Will Smith. I, I just kidding. Um, <laughs> he just comes on I, screen and smacks Chris in the face. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, Oh, I'm on, t- I'm on team, uh, team Will now after seeing this movie. Uh, and I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not. Um, <laughs> no. What are your final thoughts on Rustin? I I really like a I really like Coleman Domingo. I I I would not want Coleman Domingo's performance to be taken out of the uh, of the Oscar conversation. I think he belongs there. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He is probably my front runner at this point. Wow, excellent. That's good to hear. Just I think because I, I, I mean I, he's just. I think it's as good, or I think it's as good or better than Paul Giamatti. Truly, but I do think Giamatti's going to win. Oh, probably. I you know, but I don't. I like it, but he's playing Paul Giamatti. You know what I mean? Hmm. I think I said that last week too. I think Paul Giamatti is doing a Paul Giamatti character, and I also stand by what i said before i would have loved to see him in dream scenario yeah (laughs) yeah i can see that uh let's see (laughs) what else we got going next week uh, we do about there's two two things to talk about i guess in ahead of next week argyle is coming out of course that'll be uh a big one for next weekend that'll certainly be uh top of mind in conversation it's probably i believe it's the only big new wide release of the weekend but jeff there's a movie coming out on shutter on friday that i think should be uh, a centerpiece of the show as well and that is a new documentary called panico and it's all about the work of dario argento yes yes i'm really looking forward to that um i don't know have you watched a lot of dario argento films i've seen a few i've seen this documentary uh, I've I've written oh, about you? this documentary already. I'm not going to go into it yet because we're going to talk about it on the next show. But uh, it does make me interested. I certainly want to see his first film from 1970. Uh, that one's definitely on my list. Um, I can't recall the name of it off the top of my head. But uh, I was thinking that and opera for next week as classics. Oh, opera is a good one. Yeah. Are you talking about the bird with the crystal plumage? Yes. Yes. Uh, somebody was comparing yeah, that, that to to one of my all time favorite films, uh, Peeping Tom. Uh, which is uh, just an, an absolutely incredible yeah. Michael Powell film. Uh, and if you're going to compare something to that, then I, I definitely want to see it. It was also uh, said to be one of Alfred Hitchcock's favorite movies. Yeah. Um, I The first time I watched The Bird with the Crystal Plumage was in the 80s on VHS. I only watched part of it, honestly. Um, I rewatched I got it. Uh, I bought a um, region-free Blu-ray player. So I bought it from the... Uh, 
the European arrow sale and sat down and watched it. And it's a trip. Hmm. It's really good. Fascinating. Yeah, so that'll be next week then. Argyle and Argento, the next uh, episode of the show. You want to do some flick chart? Yeah, let's. The Sweet Hereafter or The Hangover Part 3? The Sweet Hereafter. Yeah. Hangover Part 3 is the, definitely the weakest one. If if it was if it was just the first one, I might actually pick that one because I really like that one. That is funny. Coda or Arrival? Arrival. Agreed. Like Arrival is one of the was... one of the best films of this young century. Uh, Solo, a Star Wars story, or the girl who kicked a hornet's nest? Solo, a Star Wars story. Totally underrated. <laughs> I, I'm going the other way on that, but uh, we'll flip a coin and see what happens. Uh, Solo wins. Okay. Solo Yay. wins. <laughs> Can we get another movie where we get the origin story of his leather vest? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're going to do everything else he wears. Why not? You know, um, enough said or bride wars. Bride wars. I don't... Kate Hudson and Hathaway. They want the same oh, wedding date. Watched it. <laughs> never saw I never it. Never saw it. Enough said's a better movie. Um, Okay, we'll, we'll pick that. Whiplash or <laughs> Sorry, give me Whiplash again. Um, that's weird. Is it J.K. Simmons Whiplash? There, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. It's Whiplash or Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Mmm, jeez. <laughs> um, duh, Whiplash. Yeah. Uh, the Killer or Play It Again, Sam, the Woody Allen film. Is Maria Bello and William H. Macy? Yes. Um, the Cooler. Same. Yeah, The Cooler is awesome. because <laughs> Normally we share the screen when we do this, so it's... Ah, yeah. Without seeing the poster, I'm, I might have to ask. License to Wed or Wait Until Dark? Wait until dark. Definitely. License to Wed with Robin Williams and John Krasinski. Terrible fucking movie. It's unwatchable. Yeah. Somebody um, on Twitter said they posted, you know, like name four, four movie, four horror movies with a disability. And that was one of them. Mm. And it was like, oh, I got to rewatch that. I just watched it recently and it was really, really good. Uh, Insidious Chapter 3 or Hacksaw Ridge? I did not see Hacksaw Ridge. That's uh, Clint Eastwood, right? Uh, Mel Gibson, actually. Mel Gibson. Oh, uh, Insidious. <laughs> yeah, I was going Insidious, too, even though I have seen Hacksaw Ridge. I'll take a third Insidious sequel over anything involving Mel Gibson. I will take Insidious the Red Door <laughs> over anything. And I did not like the Red Door. It was not good. It was not good. Nothing against Patrick Wilson. I'm sure he'll be, he might become a director one day. Yeah. He's not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you will enjoy this. So mm. this weekend I've been reading uh, a book called High Hopes. Mm -hmm. And it is about the original um, 
Amityville Murders by the DeFeo or the DeFeo family by Ronnie DeFeo. Oh, you mean and didn't so, the devil do that? I thought the devil did that. <laughs> well, what about ghosts? Didn't so ghosts I, do that? Yeah, I went down um, a kind of a rabbit hole with it, and I just kept coming across the Warrens and their mm-hmm. bullshit stories, <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh God, Sean would hate everything I'm looking at right now." <laughs> Anything that treats them like experts is basically just full of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, this is tough. I actually will have a hard time picking here, and I and I because I love both of these movies, and one of them is one that has kind of grown in my mind in in recent years. Uh, Lady Bird or The Babadook? Lady Bird or what? You cut out The Babadook. Ooh, I think for me, The Babadook gets better the more I think about it. Like that's such a great performance. I'm not gonna pick it. Because I do think Lady Bird is a better movie, but I think the the one I was talking about that that's gotten better for me that I look back on and am even more fond of is the Babadook. So with the Babadook, it was the first movie, the first horror movie that I watched that really solidified for me that horror movies are not always just about horror; mm. they're usually about something else, mm-hmm. and for me that was kind of new because I just like slasher movies growing up and (laughs) I was like, well, this is actually really about something else. It's about her grief and getting to talk to other people about it and realizing that, Oh yeah, that is, that is what it is. Um, I'm going to pick the Babadook. Although lady bird is an, an absolutely amazing movie. And it, it's a hard choice. A lady word wins the coin toss. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Babadook's awesome though. I love Babadook. Mm-hmm. Essie Davis. Why doesn't she get more work? That's a good question. Uh, Let's see here. All right. We have sideways or machete. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know what i'm gonna give this one to you because yeah sideways wins <laughs> it's sideways objectively uh, a better movie although machete is fucking fun is it it doesn't it didn't feel fun to me i didn't find it fun <laughs> i found uh, it i found it tedious <laughs> i just thought it was fun i the idea of it is fun the idea which, of it is more fun than it actually the movie is for sure uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. The Last Temptation of Christ or City by the Sea? City by the Sea is... Robert De Niro. Um, 2002. Yeah, Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> yeah, nobody remembers City by the Sea. I'm like, I'm trying to recall it. I don't remember anything about it, so... I'm like the it, only if one. If I saw it, I've got a review of City by the Sea on the blog. Because <laughs> I wrote it in 2002 when the movie came out. That's how oh. old I am. I, that is how old I am. I'm, I'm My birthday is this weekend. Uh, 48 years old. So there you go. I got you. I'm the oldest person on this podcast by a few years. So but happy early birthday. Uh, Animal House or the outlaw Josie Wales? Um... 
Animal House. I'm going to go with you because it's just more fun. I mean, Josie Wales, you know, is, is great, great film. It's a serviceable movie. Yeah. Um, Animal House um, is more memorable. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Inside Lewin Davis or the three burials of Milquietis Estrada. I'm going to say Inside Lewin Davis, except I was hoping there was going to be more Adam Driver Inside Lewin Davis. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even going to groan at me. <laughs> Inside Lewin Davis wins. <laughs> Romancing the Stone. Or the Fantastic Beasts Secrets of Dumble Dumbass. Romancing the Stone. Yeah. Anything besides those stupid Fantastic Beasts <laughs> movies. I fucking hate everything about them. Absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. Eddie, that's not a, Eddie movie De- Murphy Delirious is not a movie. That's a stand-up special. That's a different thing. So we'll move on. That is a three-minute cartoon. So <laughs> I think I've reviewed all the movies, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street or Every Which Way But Loose, Eastwood and a Monkey. What was the first one? Miracle on 34th Street. The original? Yes. Uh, you know what? I saw Any Which Way But Loose in the theater three times. Three times? When I was a little kid. Wow. I was like five years old and there was a fucking monkey. Of course I was going to go see it. It's like a monkey and uh, punching and yeah. <laughs> Ruth Gordon. Oh, so, I mean, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter to me. Kids love Ruth one Gordon. half dozen of the other. <laughs> that should have been the, on the poster. Kids love Ruth Gordon. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot about her. Yeah, even, yeah. The South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, or The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the original? The original. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I got to go South Park. Bigger, Longer, Uncut was uh, was incredible back in 99. Uh, but, yeah, I think oh, love before, it. Love it, love, love, love it. But, yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. of the stuff that they got away with in that movie is pretty incredible to look back on now. Uh, even then, they, they it, it felt like it felt risky, and uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, that that's the one I'm going it, with. Um, I was reading on somebody posted it on Instagram or Threads or something, and Jodie Foster was giving an interview, mm-hmm. and she said one of her favorite movies is Team America: World Police. Oh wow! She they said uh, name a perfect movie, and she said, "Well, everything, everywhere, all at once." And Team America World Police perfect votes. <laughs> I'm, so I'm, in case you in case you ever get to uh, interview Jodie Foster, <laughs> that you have something to talk about. I'll tell her I'm ambivalent to that Im- movie about ambivalence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still hate Team America, honestly. And I find aspects work like Team America. Fuck yeah, is a great song. But like the overall just ambivalence, you know, if you care about something, you suck. If you don't care, you suck. Everybody sucks. Uh, is the, is the, it's not a great thesis for any movie, as far as I'm concerned. But there's puppet sex and barfing. 
Okay, bro. Sounds awesome, bro. <laughs> Would you like Pleasantville or The Crush? What was that? You cut out the first one. Pleasantville or The Crush? Mm. I like The Crush because it's trashy. <laughs> it is trashy. I'll give you that. And <laughs> did you know that originally in that movie, did we talk about this? Um, the director, writer, director, uh, just used the original girl who he wrote it about. He used her name. Just you. Until yeah. she sued him and said, hey, you know, you made all that shit up, right? <laughs> Which he fucking did. You watch the goddamn movie, you can tell this is a fucking yeah. bullshit male fantasy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, doughy 30-something writer. The teenage girl's throwing herself at you. Yeah, that's what yeah, happened. Right. <laughs> it's trashy, but it's not, it's Garbage. not better. Uh but the crush wins the flip, even though I think Pleasantville's a better movie. Oh, I was totally picking Pleasantville. Oh, good. Well, Pleasantville just, wins then. Yeah, I just said that it was trashy and I kind of <laughs> loved it. But yeah. Oh, well. It's not high art. <laughs> the documentary, This Film is Not Yet Rated or The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Yeah. <laughs> Court fair. No, I'm kidding. This movie is not yet rated. <laughs> Definitely that one. Did you hear about Andrew Dice Clay's sort of viral moment this week? No. Uh, did so, I? so he he uh he's on tour on doing doing comedy on tour. He was in front of doing a bit. Uh and he was doing an early show and Michael Ian Black was doing the late show. And Michael Ian Black uh was waiting to go on stage and uh, they have this green room in the back that's for all the comedians, but Andrew Dice Clay, through his show ends, he's like, I don't want anybody to come in. Don't let anybody come in here. This is my room. This is mine. Nobody gets to come in yeah. here. So Michael B. Ian Black's like, fuck that. This is, the, this is the comedian's green room, and I've got nowhere else to go. I'm not going to stand in the fucking kitchen. I'm going in the fucking room. So he goes in the room, and Andrew Dice Clay threatens to beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> like a fucking asshole. <laughs> And oh, God. <laughs> so Mike Lee and Black, for, you know, to his point, he stood his ground. You know, he didn't actually end up getting beaten up by Andrew Dice Clay, but he didn't leave either. But Dice leaves and takes the opening act from Michael Lee and Black's show with him. Super professional. <laughs> Super fucking professional. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dice is funny and he's but he's got a lot of mental problems. <laughs> He just he was tell, funny. Like, when was he funny? In the eighties, for about fifteen twenty minutes. <laughs> I I cringe so I, hard looking back on those days. I might I probably as a kid probably did laugh at his bullshit, but I look back on it now and it just it's embarrassing to watch. It's embarrassing to watch grown I, people laugh at that shit. I've like listened to him on a few podcasts and. He's just, he's funny, just as a, he's a funny guy. He tells funny stories and stuff, hmm. but yeah, he, um, has got some issues for sure. Undoubtedly. And one of those issues is he thinks he's hot shit when he's just old diarrhea. <laughs> Final one, uh, should be really, this is going to be tough, Jeff. I don't know how you're going to make this choice. Uh, Ex Machina or Scooby-Doo 2002. 
Oh <laughs> my god. I know it's impossible. How do you pick between those impossible. two? <laughs> I mean, there's Sarah Michelle Geller for one thing. <laughs> so that's one sexy blonde Freddie Prince Jr. I mean, come on. Just sexy in general. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, of course, we'll pick X Machina. Yeah. That one wins. All right, Jeff. Thank you. Have a good one. <laughs>